You're listening to the Fat Dude Digs Flicks Movie Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? This is Andy, the resident fat dude of Fat Dude Digs Flicks, coming to you recorded from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it is time for an all-new episode of Let's Talk About... Uh, if this is your first time listening to Let's Talk About, welcome. Hi. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Let's Talk About is a chat show uh, where I sit down, chat with a guest about their life, their loves, and the impact a particular movie has had on them. Uh, this week's episode is super cool. So let me let me give you a little bit of like feedback or or I guess a little bit of like uh what's going on here. I don't know what that's called. Little 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 background information, I guess. So, uh I was sitting around a few months ago and uh I saw that somebody like their their Instagram was like where they were just doing written reviews for Jalo films uh all month long. And I was like, "Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's that's a lot of movies." Uh, I don't know if I can do that. The reason I said that was because I have seen a few Jalo films, and I didn't really click with them. And I wondered why, because people love them. Like, just love them. And I was like, why? what am I missing? Why Why am I not clicking with this, this kind of movie? Uh, and so what I decided to do is I would do a miniseries in July, because it's a clever wordplay july right isn't that funny g-i-a-l-l-y july listen it sounds really funny in my head and probably looks stupid in the design and all that stuff that's okay that's okay that's fine i'm just really excited to do this because i i wanted to kind of open my mind up to this genre and i thought the best way to do that was get people on the show who really enjoy these films and kind of talk with them about their life and then what movies stand out to them in this genre. Uh, and so that's how this whole miniseries came to be. I went on a hunt, try and find, uh, uh, tried to find some people like online that are Jalo fans and like notable Jalo fans or people that just like when I asked the question, people that responded by saying, yeah, I love this genre. And agreed to have a conversation. So that's what this is. This is my Jalai miniseries uh, on Jalo films. And we're starting off with a great movie. Like, th if I would have started here, I probably never would have done this miniseries. Because I like this movie so much. Uh, we are starting with Blood and Black Lace. Uh which this is the first time I'd seen it, and yeah, like I said, really, really dug it. And my guest on this week's show is one of the co-hosts of a Scary Crit podcast, uh, Lauren Lamell. She is awesome, really, really uh, insightful when it comes to horror movies, uh, because she is a master of horror. Like, literally, she has her masters in horror. Uh, and I thought that would be a really, really fun place to start. So, grab a soft drink, pop your popcorn, kick back, relax, and let's talk about 
Blood and Black Lace. All right, everyone. Welcome to an all-new episode of Let's Talk About. And I am absolutely delighted to have uh, this guest on today. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. So I did this. I did a search online. I was like, I want to do Jallo. I want to. I want to find people who are passionate about it. So I did a search for for Jallo on social media. And I found an awesome podcast uh, with, uh, I have one half of the hosting team on the show today, uh, one half of the hosting team of A Scary Crit. She is a filmmaker based out of the uh, out of the Bronx and has a master's in horror from Pratt, Lauren Lamel. Lauren, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. And it's I... so funny. That you found me from a Google search. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna search, like, because it's like, you know, there are so many podcasters out there, yeah. and when you do them, you don't have time to listen to everything, and oh, it's like yeah. you miss so much. So, like, sometimes you have to actively go looking. And I was like, I'm just gonna look and see what I can find, and I found yours, and I was like, Yep, this is this is I I, I want her on the show. <laughs> this is it. This is the one, and it's so funny because like I was when I changed my Twitter handle to the. Jack- Scream Queen. Yeah. I was like, mm, is this pretentious? Nah, I don't care. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's a, that is the best. Like, that is like leaving the breadcrumbs for hopefully the right people. Probably <laughs> some of the wrong people too, but <laughs> but you know, you weed through, you weed through. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Lauren, I am super excited to have you on here. Uh, and we'll just we're like I said, we're gonna kind of talk about you, your life before we dive into our featured movie of the week, which this week is Blood and Black Lace. So, Lauren, I'm gonna kick so things good. off. Oh, yeah. So good. Like, this was the best way to start. Like, I was just, I am so glad that you chose this movie. I had never seen it before. Super excited to talk about this one. So, it uh, is my favorite. Baba film, my so favorite cool. one. So so cool. Well, let's let's kick things off the way I kind of start with everybody. And Lauren, that question is, Lauren, who are you? Where did you come from? What is your <laughs> origin story? Well, much like when Kermit was singing his song on a log, <laughs> I was living my best life um, yeah. in North Carolina. So. For a lot of my youth, I lived in in um, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then I went to college in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I got a film degree from UNC Greensboro, okay. and that was the first time that I studied horror on on a collegiate level because sure. there was this guy. I, for the life of me, I don't remember his name, but he was tenured for like forever, so he did whatever he wanted. He had a Coen yeah. Brothers class, <laughs> and he had a horror film class. Um, and so I took it and it was super cool, right? Like we would watch one film a week mm-hmm. on Tuesdays and then on Thursdays we would come in and we would talk about it basically and like write papers and stuff. But yeah. it was cool to analyze it with theory and with emotions and with like, I don't like it, but then having to, having to say, here are the reasons why other than like it's trash, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, here's why I like it. And here's all of the other reasons why. And then finding out, like reading Freud and, and, and um, Christopher and, and seeing that people studied this and, and that it was deeper than maybe just what I thought was really mm-hmm. cool. So um, then I get, you know, I graduate and you know what happens when you graduate, you have to get a job because you have bills because you become an adult yep. and it sucks. But <laughs> my yep. mom, 
was pushing me to get a master's degree. If you don't do it now, you're not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. So I did it and I moved to New York. Um, and the, the program that I was at at Pratt, it had its flaws, but the greatest thing about it was that you could do whatever you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I've got two years to study whatever I want. I'm going to do horror. Like, that's just, it is what it is. Hell yeah. So for, for my, my graduate thesis, it's called Final Girl So White, and I picked slasher films. Sure. And I studied the intersections of race, gender, and class in the tropes that they use, specifically the final girl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is this character, why do we, when you think of it, you always think of this white brunette kind of masculine woman, right? Like, yeah. where did that come from? And why has it stayed? And like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool to be able to, to just kind of watch for two years. Basically, all I did was watch every horror movie I can get my hands on and read everything, every article, every every book written about horror or horror films or horror theory. Um, and it was a really nice time, honestly, like thinking about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome education. What does that, like, I'm guessing if you're, if you're sent out to study horror and kind of learn the ins and outs of it and, and kind of experience all of these movies and read these books, like what, what kind of impact does that have on you? And then also what, like, what do your friends say? Because I know that there are some movies that I've watched that it's like, you tell them, oh, well, I saw this movie and this happens. And the look on their face, it's like you watch the color drain out of it. They're oh, yeah. the coast slack. So have what you is ever it like- seen 120 Days of Sodom? Yeah, I sure have. Explaining <laughs> that to someone who has never seen it is like the, the best and the worst thing because yep. it's that draining out of their face. And then it's like they judge you so hard because it's like, why would you watch that? Um, because. Because it's great. What? <laughs> but I get that a lot, right? Because like, yeah. I'm that person that it'll be three in the afternoon and I'll put on Final Destination 2 because I mm-hmm. feel like it. Or I'll be yeah. cooking and I'll put on Scream because I feel like it. Or yeah. I'll scour the internet for some random foreign horror film that no one's ever heard of because I want to watch something, right? Like I have a Shutter subscription. I do all of these mm-hmm. things on a regular basis. And I think that it's, it's impacted my personal life in a way that, like one, I think sometimes I scare myself shitless for no reason, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like <clears throat> I'll watch this movie about it with a demon and then I'm like, wait <laughs> what's happening <laughs> um but it, it's interesting the way that it makes me think about storytelling yeah. with other things because I'm also like I think sometimes I contradict myself because I I love rom-coms as much as I love horror films because mm-hmm. I feel like they have a lot of the same elements in them you know yeah, yeah. like the, the stories are always kind of the same the tropes are always kind of the same like you can you can kind of jump I don't know but I, co- I find myself comparing and contrasting a lot. Um, so it's weird sometimes because I watch and I read, because I read horror comics. I play horror video games. Sure. Like I'm really in the spooky world. Like it's Halloween all the time for me. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's weird when I meet people and also I watch movies, right? So it's weird when I meet people who don't watch movies and then also don't know horror stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. How do I relate to you? <laughs> all of the references I have, you won't understand. <laughs> this, so this is not going to click. <laughs> right, it's not. And I'm so sorry for you, but it's okay. It's okay. Right, right. Where, 
where did that start for you? Did it, I, I'm, I'm assuming it didn't start in college. That's where you started to study horror. But surely, did, did you have an interest in horror when you were growing up too? So it's funny, and I tell this story a lot, and my brother hates me for it. But I have a brother that's older than me. He's 10 years older than me. So I was always introduced to things that I probably shouldn't have been when I was a kid because of him. Like, I'm following him around because he's my brother, right? Right. So one day, he had his friends over, and, like, I had my best friend over, and he he went to Blockbuster and rented Leprechaun. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, you know, we're going to watch it. Y'all have to leave. And I'm like, we're not leaving. Like, we can watch this movie. <laughs> so I'm scared out of my mind that now this little magical creature is going to come from my bed and kill me in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. And I walked my friend home because we lived in like a suburb. Yeah. And him and his friend, when we left the house, drove around the corner to scare us before we got to her place. <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, this is never going to happen to me again. So like I re I rewound the videotape or whatever and I kept watching it until I wasn't as scared as I was anymore. Yeah. And then when we took it back to the blockbuster, like the teenager that was working there, he's like, oh, you know, there's like six of these. I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And like he walked me to the horror section and it was a wrap. <laughs> yep. It was yep. over. I was like, what are you talking <laughs> to me about right now? <laughs> And that was it. That was the end. Like there was no, right. no going there back. Was no, there. there was no going back. So. <laughs> well, what like was, were there other franchises or, or like individual movies that you really attached yourself to at a young age? Or was it like a, a, a deeper appreciation for things came, came later? Was there something that like young you really like latched onto? And it was the things that scared me at the time. So yeah. did you, have you ever seen that movie? I think it's called Dracula 2000 or Dracula yes. 3000 or with Coolio or whatever. Yep. And like uh, Johnny Lee Miller, I think yes. was in it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we went to the theater to see it, scared the crap out of me. And I had to leave and go watch Emperor's New Groove because I couldn't finish it. And now as yeah. an adult, I'm like, what was wrong with me? Um, <laughs> but, and then, so because of that, I was like, okay, I got to find some of the vampire movies because that's not going to happen. It was always this like, innate thing of like I'm not going to be scared (laughs) like this stubborn feeling but then I I will always remember watching 13 Ghosts for the first time Mm -hmm. that was the one I think that really like settled in my spirit of like this is really really good and it's really really scary you know and I was like wow like the acting in that the plot line the, the other, like, the reasons the ghosts were the ghost, I was like, this is amazing! Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so creative, too, how they come up with the designs for the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, like, the CGI is not bad, and the right. practical effects are really good, and the makeup is really good. That is when I started to appreciate it as an art form. Because yeah. I was like, how did they make him look like that? How yeah. did they do this? How did they do that? That's kind of when, my, when the gear started turning in my brain of, like, how is this cinematically possible? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's always cool when you have that. I, I think movie people, uh, especially filmmakers and people who are actually in the industry of, of putting movies together in whatever form, I, it's always fun to kind of hear the story of where things click for them, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's super unexpected. Like they watched 
you know, uh, I, I don't know, like some Western. I hate Westerns, but if somebody oh, no. were to, yeah, I really don't <laughs> like Westerns, but you know, maybe it's just because I've, I'm, when I think of Westerns, my brain instantly goes to John Wayne. I love oh, yeah. John Wayne. Like I just, yeah, uh, no. but like more modern takes on the Western, I think some of them are really well done, but you know, somebody who, who finds something in a Western that they really love, and then they're able to kind of take that with them, take that appreciation of that into something like horror like i think near dark is a really great western like horror western uh, and it's like, like you yeah oh yeah so near, near, dark, near dark rules like near, near dark oh, is great but it's amazing. like it, it's it's trying to find those influences somewhere else so it's always really interesting to hear those stories from people of like oh yeah this is where things clicked into place for me i think my my horror experience started with friday the 13th uh because That's growing up place. yeah like and they would play them on usa all the time uh-huh. like they would have the, the marathons and you know as a little kid watching those i typically watched them through the cracks of my fingers i was like i can't i can't watch this i gotta look away but i would still like sneak through just the little spaces in my mm-hmm. hands to be like I'm, I'm watching this and of course you know they're they're censored they're all cut up so that they could play on tv uh but that's where i just kind of found that like you know, this is, this is something that I'm really going to enjoy. I also really enjoyed, you know, the, the universal monsters movies too. And I think those are so like easy yeah. to digest when you're a little kid, especially cause it's like, they're spooky, but yet at the same time, they're not too scary. Yep. Uh, yep. So it's just, you kind of find those movies that you really gel with before you latched on to horror. Were you a movie person in general? Were you just like really into movies and then horror kind of kicked the door open for you? Yeah, I think because it's interesting because so my um, my grandmother and my mother and me, right? Like we all, you know, you, you know how you are with your family, mm-hmm. but we really bonded over movies, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because my grandmother was like, you know, why are you watching this trash? Sure. Humphrey Bogart is a person. What is this? I was like, what are you talking about? So she gave me a really good appreciation for like older movies like from the 30s 40s 50s yeah and though that was the only thing that the three of us would kind of watch together yeah um and so then from there I was like well what else is it and then you know as a kid like growing up in the the late 90s early 2000s there was all this really good television there was goosebumps there was animorphs there was all these really good cartoons and like the things on um uh discovery kids or whatever it was and so that kind of also opened up another gateway for me to be like, well, what else is there for me to, to look at? And, you know, at that time, they were like pumping media at kids anyway. So it was oh, like, yeah. watch out these shows, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fox but, Saturday morning, Fox after yeah! school. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so but, but coming like one, because I think that once you, people who get into like, like the TCM world of, of mm-hmm. movies, it's cool because then you're like, oh, wait, I've seen, where have I seen this before? Yeah. Oh, they, because like I saw the Sydney Poitier version of Coming to Dinner before I saw Bernie Max, right? Sure. When yeah. Bernie Max came, it's like, like people, like when you sample a song, you're like, what? Right. But when you start there, they, like there's, there's an endless possibilities because there's also, it's also easier to get to foreign films if you start mm-hmm. in the in the black and white golden era. Yes. 
because it, it'll just because sometimes the algorithm will just suggest you another black and white film regardless of if it has anything to do with that movie or not <laughs> right right yeah so you're like oh okay this is interesting Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if you're if you're willing to open your mind up to the older movies, the, the movies that come from a generation before ours, it's kind of like you're willing to kind of open yourself up to anything. And mm-hmm. I think the, the 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 foreign film thing, especially, it's like I don't I don't remember. I'm sure the first foreign film that I saw and like you know completely paid total attention to was probably Life is Beautiful. I think that's that's kind of oh, around wow. the time where I really clicked in. And you know that was that was the one that where it was like, "Oh, okay, well now, you know, I don't mind reading the movie because I'm still yeah. able to get the full experience." And then you know, I went to uh, my my first college go around. Uh, overall, did not go well, <laughs> but I did take uh, some fun film classes where that's where mm-hmm. they really opened my mind. And we got to see, you know, got to see some Bergman, uh, Kurosawa, yeah. you know, stuff yeah. like that. And it's like you just kind of you're you're there, like you're just yeah. you're you're so connected to it. And I think it takes, uh, you know, uh, something like a Bogart film, uh, a, a Billy Wilder film is that yeah. gateway drug to kind of get you into experiencing other stuff. What were some of your favorite, like, you know, movies from the thirties, forties and fifties, ones that you really like? The Thin Man oh. is my okay. favorite thing. Have you ever yes. seen it? Oh my yes. God, it's so good. It's uh, so good. Myrna Loy is just great. Amazing. Just great. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then um, another one I really love is The Exterminating Angels. It's a Spanish film. Ooh, okay. Very, it's so, it, it's kind of, it's, it's horror in the fact that it's, it's unnatural. You know sure. what I mean? Like it's uncanny in how the, the plot is kind of going through. And I was like, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it, ma- it makes you feel uncomfortable as you watch it. And I was like, <sighs> oh no. <laughs> nice. Um, and then Rebecca. I oh, okay. Touch Rebecca. Cool. Um, that is the one movie that me and my grandmother and my mother would watch all the time. Yeah. So. You know how people have blind spots, like movies that they they know they should see and they never have? I mm-hmm. own the Criterion Blu-ray of Rebecca. I have never watched it. I need, I need oh, to solve my that. I need yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We're I... gonna get off of this podcast. <laughs> And then I'm going to text you and I'm going to be like, have you watched Rebecca yet? Have yeah. you watched Rebecca yeah. yet? <laughs> Keep checking in. I've got a, I've got a three day weekend. I have, I have said that I am not doing anything on Sunday. That might be a movie day for me just to kind of so uh, get my brain right. Um, and then, and so, so then also you have to text me your address so I can send you the book. Ooh, because okay. The book is everything. The book nice. is everything. Awesome. Awesome. I'll I'll ask I'll ask a painful question then for you. Have you watched the Netflix remake of it's Rebecca? Awful. Is it's it so awful. bad? Okay. Like I I appreciate what they tried to do. Sure. But they lost everything that made that movie that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was supposed to be it was supposed to be weird that Maximilian was so much older than her. And yeah. in the remake he's not that much older than she is. Sure. And they change some of the scenes, and I'm like, "What is happening?" Alfred Hitchcock would roll over in his grave, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in his grave. Yeah, I, I had heard that it was just 
not not up to par. No, <laughs> and it's I was the like, reboot, requel, remake, propaganda ugh. that we don't like. <laughs> no good. No uh, good. Well, I will. I will make sure I watch the original. We watched it together, like on a FaceTime call, and the faces yeah. that she made was like, "What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Why is this a thing?" <laughs> oh, she was hot, and I was hot, and then like we tried to bring my little sister into the fold, so we made her watch it too, and she didn't understand where we were. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I'm with you guys. Yeah, and then my mom made her watch the original, like right after they were done. And she, she was texting me and she's like, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> and I was like with my mom. I was like, not until you finish the movie. You have to finish the movie. <laughs> Get through it. Get right. through it. You will watch this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am bumping it up the list. I will make sure that I get it watched as soon as possible. Because uh, it's been on my list forever. Like, it's been on my list forever. My, my mother talks list. about loving that movie. And, you know, I always feel a little disappointed when a long time goes uh, that my mom recommends a movie and I haven't watched it. So I'll have, yeah, to, same. I'll have to get to it. Like, it's it's got to be bumped up the list. I think it'll make her happy. <laughs> it's so good. You have to tell me what you think, too, because oh, it yeah. is, like, like, in my top 10 and it's not 10. Awesome. Awesome. Very very cool. I will I will do it. I'm I am excited. Uh, let's 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 kind of jump around a little bit here. So, what is it like to to move from the Carolinas? Because you said you grew up in in uh, North Carolina, lived in South Carolina, and mm-hmm. then for college you make the trek to New York. So, what mm-hmm. is that? What is that jump in in culture feel like? What what's what's the change for you? How does that how did that work out for you? Oh, it wasn't so bad because sure. my family is originally from New York. Oh, oh, that's great. So I've got aunts here. I've got uncles here. I've got cousins here, you know, and we would come up for the summer. So it wasn't mm-hmm. super, super, super bad. Sure. <laughs> but like, you know, the first two months, like I got lost in the subway. Yeah. I didn't understand what a transfer was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's all of those things, but it was a little bit more complicated because I lived with my cousin in the in the North Bronx, okay. and I went to school in Brooklyn. So that's okay. a two-hour commute one way every day. Ooh. So I was on the train for four hours every day yeah. going to school. Um, <clears throat> but you get, you kind of, New York is one of those places where you just have to adjust. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, sure. there is no time to, like fuddle around right, right. you'll end up in Canarsie and then you'll just be there from now on because no one will come and find you um <laughs> the hard I think the hardest thing about move like moving up here during school was just mm. school yeah you know that's a it was a bigger commitment than I thought um at the time and the the you <clears throat> I think you expect like graduate school like like school again <laughs> to be a little bit different because you know the classes are smaller and the folks are are you know if we're going to school again we all must really want to be here right yeah it's not really the case <laughs> <laughs> and it was <sighs> more it was more emotionally hard than i thought it was going to be yeah it's it's you know it, it's got to feel because I, I can completely understand that. Like there are people that are, you know, 
people who are definitely going because they're like, oh, yes, I want to be here. I want to further my education. I want to kind of set myself on this path, get that degree, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I think there are other people there uh, that are because it just feels like it is supposed to be the next step. It's oh, yeah. like checking off things off a list. Like, yep. it's like, all right, this is what I'm doing next. And they're just not passionate about it. They're not positive about it. And I think yep. that's where things, that's something where it can probably get really difficult. Uh, and then like, I imagine the, the course load probably isn't super easy either or, or, oh, or God, does it, no. yeah. So what's, what is, what does a, you kind of said that you could choose what you studied. What mm-hmm. does a uh, typical course load look like for someone who is mastering in horror? So for me, we had to take a foundational theory class. Um, uh, So that was, you know, we're reading basically one really dense article per, no, maybe like two or three dense, really dense articles per class. Yeah. And I mean like Freud and then um, Christopher and then, and then, like Marxism you know what I mean right right. yeah like this is not cracking open an issue of People magazine and like reading about this this are yeah big ideas here and then the next you know and we have this class three times a week so I'm just like okay um and then what else did we do we had to take like the the tenured professors would offer whatever classes that they offered Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still a really big workload in terms of like projects. So we were writing papers at least once a week. We were working on really major projects um, or doing a really, really a large amount of research. Cause like, so for me, um, you know, they don't really give you a place to start. So unsolicited graduate school advice. <laughs> Most places <laughs> don't give you a place to start. They're just like, figure it out. And let me know how, let me know how you're doing. Right. Oof, yeah. So I was grappling with like, well, what do I want to study? Because horror is so extensive as a genre. You could do anything, right? Like literally anything. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So I just started watching movies and I had to, I had to make this log of like the movie and what it was and whatever, whatever. And so from there I started, that's kind of how it got more serious. But that was all up to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I could have gone six months and not done anything and kind of been like, well. <laughs> so it's 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 really difficult trying to discipline yourself to be organized sure. in a way that other people can understand it. Yes. Yes. I feel like that's a life lesson. Like right. I feel like that is just like that. That's it, it, we're we're kind of living in an era where so many people work from home, and that's uh-huh. something I run into. It's like. I need to make sure that I am focused and organized in a way that if something were to happen to me, my coworkers would know what I'm doing. Right. I am failing miserably at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's hard to wrap your brain around because you have to explain to yourself why you do the things that you do. And that's a whole other thing to have to contend with. Yeah. <laughs> um. But then also looking back on it, talking to you is making me like be very introspective in this moment. Um, I wish that I had gone to a school that was specifically about film, if that makes Mm. any sense. Sure. So Pratt's program was media studies. So it was really open to anything. So like my friend, um, Marilia, she is amazing. She's getting her PhD in California right now at UC Santa Cruz. 
yeah. her under her graduate thesis was about the mediation of tourism because she's greek and yeah. she noticed that when people go on vacation and like tourists come to her country most people are on their phones so mm. they're taking selfies or they're taking photos and they're not experiencing the her the place right they're right. taking photos of the place which is different yeah so she makes that's basically what she studied for two years um which is really cool and really amazing. And it was such a, a, a great project. Yeah. But the, the hard thing about being a filmmaker in a program that isn't specifically about filmmaking or film theory mm -hmm. is that I was met with a lot of resistance and that was the crutch. Oh, yeah. I'm not a filmmaker. I really don't know how to help you. Oh, I don't really know about film, but you're like, it seems fine, you know? And that was a yeah. lot of the feedback I got from, from everyone except for my um, advisor whose yeah. name is Ethan, me and Ethan, Ethan will be best friends for my life. I will name my first child after Ethan. <laughs> because if it was not for him, I would have gone crazy. Yeah. Because you need someone that speaks your language to make sure that you're one, talking about the things correctly. And yeah. two, so that you have someone that you can like, like vibe with, you know what I mean? Right, right. I imagine that's got to be a little discouraging to kind of like, you know, you have Ethan, who is this, uh, you know, a, a life raft kind of in the middle of all this, but everything else, you know, not having the people you can gel with, you can uh, bounce ideas off of people that kind of understand your language of, of education. Like, I feel like that can be a little bit discouraging. And then like, if you run into a problem and need help, like, who do you go to in a situation like that? Yeah. Yeah, throw a dot at the board and hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, so like more unsolicited graduate school advice. Yeah. If you're ever thinking about, if anyone is ever thinking about going, what I should have done was more research on the faculty and the students. Mm. Because you have to actively search for a mentor. Sure. So you have to be like, okay, what is this person doing? What is this person doing? What is this person doing? Because the, 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 the faculty in my program were amazing and brilliant. They were all writers. You yeah. know what I mean? So they right. were writing books and articles. And that would have been great if that is the scholarly path I wanted to take. But mm -hmm. I wanted a more practical path. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the basics and the theory of film and filmmaking. And the only person that could offer me that was Chris. And then there was another professor there named, uh, I mean, was Ethan. And there was another professor there named Chris, who was also well-versed in, in horror specifically, which was odd. <laughs> so me and him wow. got a vibe at the end. Like he yeah. made a horror film class for me to TA and I appreciate him so much. Um, but it's, it's, you're right. It's hard because it's, like I said, it, it makes you feel like you're on this little sinking ship mm -hmm. of, of just like, because you have all these books and all this knowledge now and you, and you know how to apply it to the thing that you want to apply it to. But yeah. when no one else is there saying, yes, that makes sense. Or yes, that, yes, yes, I can see that. You, you feel really, really alone and really, really stupid. Yeah, yeah. So, and then like when I was in grad school, um, Get Out came out. Sure. So then for six months, oh my God, are you going to talk about Jordan Peele? Are you going to talk about Get Out? Are you going to talk about how that is? No. No. <laughs> I'm not no. gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person. You ever seen um, that Seth Rogen movie about the end of the world? Yes. And then how it's like life is like a box of chocolates. Like, how do you not, you don't watch? I'm that guy, right? <laughs> like, I don't, off of a hipster principle, I refuse 
to watch this movie <laughs> because everyone is telling me that I should. Yeah. So everyone's telling me to talk about Get Out. I refuse like, to talk no, about it. I have no comment about Get Out at all. <laughs> right, none. And, it, yeah. and that it was really, that was also really discouraging because sure. we had a class our, our second year that was basically a thesis workshop. So we were supposed to bring in our thesis as it was and ask for edits and opinions and like talk about it, right? Yeah. So for for a month straight, every class I'm in, that's all anybody ever brings up is Jordan Peele. That's not helpful to me in trying to write this paper. Right, <laughs> it's just right. Not. Like we, we talked about this, it's dead. we've beaten the dead horse at this point. Can we please move on to something else? Mm-hmm. And then we'll go around the table, but, but Jordan Peele, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I look at this, of course, from a very different perspective because, you know, I'm, I'm a white dude, like white dude, just not, not in the film industry, but just watches movies. But I feel like in, in representation and, and having a, a filmmaker like Jordan Peele in representation, that becomes kind of like the spotlight. This is mm-hmm. the one, the one item of representation that, that people have. And this is what everything is supposed to follow. And people are supposed to instantly like this and gravitate towards discussion about this. But I feel like representation is moving beyond that. Like going yeah. going further than that, and and being more than just get out and us and no. But you and- know what? Again, talking to you is making me very introspective in this moment. The thing sure. that made me the most upset was that if you are talking to your friend, right, mm-hmm. and they're asking your opinion on a thing that you know nothing about, but you have yeah. like say they're talking about like drag, right? Right. And the only thing that you have to hold on to is RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a great example, but that's, that's your one thing, right? Sure. And those are the those are the references you constantly give out, right? Yeah. If you care about that person and that person's opinion, you are going to go do research to other things, right? Yes. You are going to branch out from RuPaul and like find out what your local drag scene is like. And like, what about this person and that person or whatever? Because right. you care about that person and you want to have a meaningful conversation with them. Yeah. That was not my experience. And that's what makes me upset because I'm like, y'all don't care about the work that I am doing mm-hmm. because your actions say that you are grabbing onto the easiest reference that you have and yeah. you're holding onto it for dear life. Sure. Yep. Because it's hard to do that research. It's yeah. time consuming to do that research. It's yeah. difficult to put to put yourself outside of your comfort zone to learn something new because you could say something wrong. You could get a reference wrong. You could misquote a movie or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like thinking back on that time, I really felt unsupported by everybody in my department. Sure. Yeah. And I'm just like, it was like was like, yeah, it was worth it, I guess, because the paper degree, whatever. But Jesus Christ, if I could do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be completely different. Yeah, yeah, because there's this feeling of there's there's so much more, and right. uh, yeah, I I that's that's a great that the 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 analogy there with drag race and and with being able to if you have a friend who is specializing in something to not just latch on to this one thing be like oh well also this and I feel like it's also sometimes it's okay to be wrong just accept. Right your like you know accept the the commentary that goes along with it be like uh you know and what to do better wrong but could you explain this thing to me yeah Yeah. great oh my god yeah yeah i want to talk about this with you jesus Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can, I can uh, only imagine. Uh, and even then I, you know, I still think I would fall far, far short and knowing what it feels like at that time. So um, I want to, I want to talk about something completely non-related to movies uh, because this is this is something that i find uh incredibly fascinating and relatable uh you are a self-proclaimed wwe nerd is that correct oh my god talk about it what do you where are we going wwe aew nxt like talk about it so are you, you are still like you, you've got your head in the game, right? You are a, a someone who follows wrestling, like loves it. Are you a, a down to watch raw and SmackDown every week, uh, dynamite rampage, stuff like that. Or are you kind of uh, like, I, I check the highlights. Like where, where are you at so, in your love for wrestling? So for, for until, until maybe like a month ago, Mm-hmm. I was every every Monday, every Friday, every Wednesday, I was booked and busy because sure. someone was getting smacked down live on television. Yeah. I follow all of the like the bleacher reports and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yep. But then I got really busy and then I got sick. So I was Ooh. like, I can't. So I have fallen so far behind. Yeah. And I'm trying desperately to catch back up. What? What? Don't leave me. <laughs> what what is it because I, I i grew up watching wrestling and still love it and always kind of come back to it like i'll have moments where i kind of drift away a little bit but right now you know even though i'm not watching stuff i'll read the bleacher reports like make sure mm-hmm. i can read about this is what happened on raw this is what happened on smackdown this is what happened on dynamite on rampage on nxt like i just want to mm-hmm. know what happened I'll always gravitate back towards it because for me, it is, it's the best violent soap opera that there is. And that ever was and ever right? will be. <laughs> I'm getting my storytelling like in these quick, easy to digest episodes with, with sometimes very clearly defined good guys, clearly and- defined bad guys. And it's just this, this rum- violent rumble. And then there are the, the, the shades of gray where there's like the, somebody who becomes, you know, who, is a good guy but he does something bad so it's like is he gonna be a bad guy like i just find it to be really fascinating storytelling is that is that where you connect with wrestling or is there something else that draws you in yes and everything else is wrestling yeah everything like i can look at so many other facets in my day-to-day life and be like this is a wrestling storyline. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or like, you wouldn't have done this if if the WWE, if Vince McMahon hadn't have done this 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> there's just so, it's just so good. Yeah. For no reason. Even when it's bad, it's good. Yes. Because I think that the, the one thing that, that pro wrestlers understand is camp. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. they, they lean into it so hard. That yeah. you can't help but get sucked in to what's happening. Like every single time, like The Miz or Bianca Belair or the, the we finally got heel Roman Reigns, thank mm-hmm. God. Yes. Like it's just so you can't, it's it's just high, it's just good quality stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been to Raw twice. Yeah. I went once in Greensboro and once in, in Brooklyn. Wow. And it is the live experience just encapsulates everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's so many characters that you, because you can find someone to like. 
You want to be with the announcer? Go sit with Michael Cole. You want to be <laughs> like, there's just too much of it that you, you can connect with on some level, some way, shape, form or fashion. And I think the interesting thing is that I looked into working at WWE a couple years sure. ago. Ooh. And one of the qualifications that they have for the writers there is if they've written horror stuff. And I think that that is very interesting because yeah. it's this, it's kind of trying to see the different perspectives of storytelling and, and all of the different through lines that can potentially happen. And I'm like, I really appreciate that, that, that there's some other cognitive things happening there yeah. outside of just like, here are these two sweaty guys, like let's see each other beat, let's, let's see them beat each other up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it is a human drama. And sometimes yeah. it's an emotional human drama yeah. watching these people, yeah. And then like, I remember the Enzo and Cass era. Mm-hmm. And I love when, when K-Fab like breaks <laughs> because yes. of the internet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, Seeing that entire thing unfold and then devolve and then be reborn in all these other ways. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I love AEW now because yes. of that, right? Because now KFAB is completely different because we're just going to accept that John Moxley is just a person <laughs> and wasn't Dean Ambrose. I think right. I guess this is fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Except when, like, Jim Ross messes up his name when he's calling something. Right! And then we're just like, okay, this is just gonna be what it is now. This is fine. Yeah. Um, like, the level of, I think it, with the level of, of suspension of, of belief, right, mm-hmm. that it has mm-hmm. to exist, is just so great. And yeah. I think that that's one of the things that you have to, if I'm having a bad day, I will rewatch like, WrestleMania 35. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> because you just have to get sucked into it. You yep. just have to. You can't sit there and think about work or think about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or think about like your dog pooping on the floor. Like you can't. <laughs> right. You just can't. Yeah. You are you are drawn in to you know whatever uh, the, the Monday Night Messiah Seth Rollins is, man, is doing. Right. Seth Rollins is my favorite Power Ranger, and no one can tell me different. <laughs> no one can tell me different. And uh, then, but then when the women started really gearing up and we had Asuka and Charlotte Flair and yes. Sasha Banks and Becky yes. Lynch and they were going toe-to-toe every week, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for yep. since I was 12. Yep. Yeah. Great. And then like when the people, when people come back and you hate it, like when John Cena comes back and I hate it, <laughs> why are you here? Why are you here? Or then like when Edge came back and it was the most amazing thing ever. It's just, there's so much to pull from. And yeah. then all of the other content that they do is actually really interesting. Like all of the documentaries that they do. Yes. And the yes. podcasts and other stuff. Like it's really well done. Yeah. <laughs> like how did we get here, guys? I guess yeah. we're fine. I guess we're fine. Like for me, it is just, it is so cool, like how uh, WWE has pulled back the curtain on certain things. There are yeah. some stories that we're never going to know until like probably a couple years down the road when finally we find out what really happened with Sasha Banks and Naomi, why they're oh, gone, yeah. when, yep. what's what's happening there. But like you, you pull back the curtain, you get this, you know, uh, this is this documentary, 24 hours of, of Goldberg's return. I hate Goldberg, but still, you know, that was a, a documentary where you're looking <laughs> him or a documentary about ko with his yeah. conquest to get the championship you know stuff like that it's 
the I little kid. About Brock Lesnar, when you yeah. see like who he is as a person, is completely different than who his persona is on right? the stage. Like this man, this sweet man. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Mark Henry's documentary when oh, you yeah. find out that Vince McMahon was like, "Win or don't come back." What? The cha- yeah. the audacity to challenge me to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's this it's so cool like the little kid in me who watched this stuff growing up and thought it was all completely real that these men hated each other on tv oh, yeah. like yeah. I, and now watching like people that are wrestling against each other one day are really best friends behind the scenes and they have great matches because they're so close as friends i'm like mm-hmm. this blows my mind and i love every second of it all of it Every, yeah all of it give me uh, more yeah who are a couple of your favorites right now who are who are people that you really enjoy watching bianca love her yes yep um i wish that they would give us some more i feel like yeah. she's gotten the short end of the stick and it makes me very very sad yep um heel roman reigns is my favorite roman reigns ever oh yeah oh yeah without, without question is always going to be my favorite um mm-hmm. the miz i've always loved the miz He's so good. He's just so good at his job. I'm like, what am I looking at right now? God. (laughs) He's just so good. And I I can't wrap my brain around how good he is sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing to me today? (laughs) He is is one um, of the best villains ever. Ever in life. And then um, Johnny Wrestling, I love. Sure. His arc on NXT from being like the baby face to the villain and like, I'm going to be a baby again. Psych is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> where, do you think, then, where do you think he's going to pop up? Where do you think he's going to, is he going to go to AEW or? I don't know. Because like, yeah. so here's my thing, right? And NXT was so good for so mm-hmm. long in its NXT bubble. I always feel like when they were brought up to Raw, they were, their characters were ruined. Mm-hmm. In every single instance, I was like, because when Asuka, I, I'm going to go back to Asuka because I was really sure. mad. When she was undefeated for so long and then came to Raw and lost, I lost my mind. Yeah. I, I went on every Twitter rant you could possibly imagine <laughs> and was like, what is going on in the writer's room? Because I am upset. <laughs> um, and I think that that trend has continued, like especially like with Rhea Ripley. She mm-hmm. was so great in NXT. And then, yep. and then, I think that's the bad thing about about WWE is that they don't make space, yeah. you know? Like, I feel like Vince McMahon, and it's in the documentaries, this is true, he'll pick, like, a white shining hope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that one person, and everyone else just kind of has to fight or flight, you know? Yep. And unfortunately, I think that that ruins a lot of what's happening and the amazing storytelling that's been cultivated. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he went to AEW. Yeah. Yeah. And good. Good. Give him a chance to shine. Like, but the, the, the problem with AEW, this has now become uh, the wrestling podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, the problem with AEW is that they're, they're bringing all of these WWE people in and it's, it's almost turning into like WCW of the late nineties. Yeah, And it's like, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta be careful because you still have to cultivate that new talent. Did and you let see them... the guy's rant? I don't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, MJF. He 
the greatest thing I have ever seen in my life. It was so, it was paced well. He performed it well. He looked into the camera at the exact moment that he needed to. Uh I was like, this man is amazing. Yeah. This man is gold, is gold. Yeah, big time. It warms my heart. Yeah, that man is money. God, like the, the, just the level, the level that he was on. I was like, what? Go off. I was like, go off, bro. You mm-hmm. got it. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Um, I will, I will, I'm going to take a hard turn off of wrestling, but man, let me tell you, getting to chat yeah, about wrestling about is always fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk for a quick second before we dive into our movie uh, of the week here. I want to talk about your podcast, The Scary Crit. Uh, you are half of the hosting duo mm-hmm. there. Uh, how did you meet your host? How did you all come up with the idea to do this show? Where where did your show uh, concept come from? So Jared, we met at grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, we met at Pratt. He was in the writing MFA program. Um, so we, we had some classes overlap and I love him a bit. He watches movies as much as I do. And I realized like we, we were like, I think we, cause we're also like pop culture queens kind of. Um, and he made some like obscure horror reference and I got it. And I was like, oh, you watch these movies. All right, cool. All right. We could be (laughs) friends. Um, but the podcast, like a lot of things is a pandemic baby. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like the middle of the, maybe not the middle of the pandemic. I don't know. It was the pandemic. And yeah. I was trying to figure out like what to do. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, mm-hmm. mm, I feel like I could be doing something with my time or whatever. Like what is there that, that can happen? I was like, Oh, like a podcast couldn't, like a podcast couldn't be that hard. Right. Right. Was my thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was like, I know I didn't want to do it alone. So I was like, but I also know that I want to talk about movies, but I was like, okay, what's happening? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I called Jared and I was like, Jared, I have an idea. Um, do you want to do a podcast with me? And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I think that we could do a horror podcast. And I think that it could be really cool because the intent behind it was when I was in grad school, the biggest fight that I had with my professors was accessibility. Sure. Because I would write all of my papers in layman's terms, right? So basically, whatever um, Carol Clover said, this high bubble thought version of it, I would break it down into the the most basic version of that and reference her. Because I'm a firm believer of there is no point in having information if people cannot understand it right absolutely i think that once you get that base level of understanding because that's how i am once i Mm -hmm. get once you break it down to me i can go in any other direction but i need a foundation of what it is you're talking about otherwise i'm just gonna look at you like crazy right yeah so they would be some of my professors would be upset because they were like this you know this isn't the level of writing or whatever i was like but it is because the fact that I understand this enough to be able to say it like this proves that I know what I'm talking about. Don't mm-hmm. like, don't come for me. Yeah. Um, so I was, I had that thought to, in terms of movies, specifically horror movies. I was like, I have all of this really big theoretical knowledge and I want to use it in a way that makes these terms and these, and these ideas accessible to, to other people. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, that. like Jared is so, he's, he's such a good friend honestly yeah. um 
He's like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Like sometimes we just kind of like talk about it, which is great. Yeah. But there, there have been times where I feel like that has really shown through of like, mm-hmm. there is this one text that I read that I feel like is very important. And let me share this with everyone through the vehicle of this film, right? Because yeah. yeah. I think that's the other thing. I think movies are more accessible than some of these books and some of these articles and some of these texts. Right. So if I can marry the two things and, and hopefully kind of get people to kind of expand the way that they see film, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's <sighs> this, this love that I think we both have for, for movies like being able to, I, I think I do the podcast because it, it is, you want to kind of share that love with people because this medium is so uh, something that people can emotionally connect to and emotionally relate to. And even the most bizarre uh, uh, pieces of media, the most bizarre horror movies, or even like fantastical uh, science fiction movies, stuff like yep. that. There's something there that we can grab onto. And having this kind of forum to to talk about how much we love them, how much we connect mm-hmm. with them, relate to them, even ones we don't like, being able to express that with people and say, well, this is why I like it. This is why I dislike it. These are the right. things that work for me, even though this didn't and vice versa. It's it's so nice to be able to do that with people. Yeah. And and I think I think having a co-host really helps make it sing because it's I I I did this show originally where I was just sitting in my car talking about like whatever movie I just watched. Like for eight Mm -hmm. minutes, I'd go to the movie theater, see like, I don't know, Ant-Man. And then after the movie was (laughs) over, I'd sit in my car and I'd be like, oh yeah, I liked Ant-Man and this is why and this is what I didn't like about it. And that was fun, but it wasn't fulfilling. And then it's like, well, I want to I want to talk to somebody like that's that's what's going to make this so it becomes an experience that people can be like oh I I get that because I like talking to people about the movies that I watch too Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's that's where this has really taken off for me so I think having that having that that host to just kind of uh, the friend to kind of have the conversation with it makes it so it's less uh, stagey or like you said very uh, speaking in these very high terminology to right. just a, a conversation between two people about this thing that you both enjoy and that's where people find their end so yeah I, I think it's great I think it's great pandemic pandemic babies are pretty cool babies <laughs> pandemic babies man I tell you <laughs> well Lauren let's let's go ahead and change change gears here and dive into our featured movie of the week. It, uh, by the way, it's been awesome talking with you. Like this has just been a blast. Like getting right? to know I you, really getting learned like, about you. Go watch a movie with you. I feel like it would be <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I that that would be a blast. Like uh, I'm in I'm in the <laughs> painful Midwest of South Dakota. But <laughs> oh god, you know yeah. Jared's from Colorado. Is he really? Yeah, I feel like eventually we could make that happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is, like I said, this has been super fun. So let's let's go ahead and take our love of movies and dive into your movie of the week, which is Mario Blood Baba's Blood and, and Black, Lace. Black Lace. So good. A house of high fashion, a dazzling whirl of elegance, of exotic, extravagant beauties. 
an adventurous journey into the devastating allure of the most sophisticated women and their intimate secrets. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and black lace. <coughs> who is this shrouded, sadistic, sordid fiend who maims and murders? So let's, I want to, the first thing I want to kind of get at is your your initial experience with this movie. Do you, do you recall the first time you saw this movie and how you kind of took to it that time? Like, what was it that that clicked for you about this movie? So my, I think everyone's gateway drug into Jallo is Suspiria. Yeah. Um, and so when I did some research on Dario Argento, I realized that his mentor was Mario Baba. And I was like, well, who is Mario Baba? And then I was like, oh my God, this is Mario Baba. This is great. Um, and I watched Kill Baby Kill first. Sure. And then I watched Blood and Black Lace. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is great. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember being blown away. Okay, also... I am an old woman. My favorite television show <laughs> is Murder, She Wrote, right? I, you know, when you, when you said you're an old woman, I was like, she's going to drop Murder, She Wrote. That's what she's, <laughs> she's going to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I have a very different standard of like a murder mystery through line, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. So when I first watched Blood and Black Lace, I was blown away by the plot. I was blown away by the plot. Because yeah. it gave me psycho vibes. It's like, wait, this woman died? This is like five minutes in. What's happening? And right. then we are immediately introduced to everyone else that we need to know. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like very Agatha Christie-esque. We're all in the same room. Who did it? And yeah. I was so drawn into the story that I didn't even pay attention to a lot of the other things that were happening. Yeah. I had to watch, like on the third or the fourth watch is when I realized the lighting gags and the cinematography and the way in which the, the the villain was kind of how he moved through the shadows and like all of these other elements and, and like the set design is crazy in this. Yeah. The scene during the fashion show is probably my favorite scene in the whole thing. Yeah. Where it's like from the perspective of that pocketbook and we're just kind of watching everyone watch right. the bag. Right. I'm like, the way in which this film was made is like top tier filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And it blows me away every time. Because I made, I, I, I don't even know if you know this, I made Jared watch it too. Mm. And he was like, girl, what is this? And I was like, right, exactly. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, this this was the first time that I had seen this movie. And it was one that, you know, had been on my list for a long time. Uh, and I was like, oh, great. I finally get a chance to see this movie. Let's do this. And I was just blown away like this this movie is awesome because like you said you're introduced to everybody right away you get all Mm -hmm. of the people in the same space and it's like oh well these are these people are all suspects like it can clearly be any of them so let's 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 find out who it's who it's gonna be and then you know you watch the women get killed one by one and they're just Mm -hmm. checking them off the list i'm like okay Obviously, it's a guy who's doing this. Yeah, so which yeah. which one of the guys is it? And they plead a really good case for yes. everybody. Everybody. Like, Everyone like, has a reason to be guilty. Yeah. And you're like, you know, for me at the ending, you know, and usually I'm I'm the last person to get it. Like, that's, that's just the way it goes. Like, I, and I think it's because I want, 
I want the story to wash over me. I don't want to spend the whole movie being like, oh, I bet he did it. I bet he did it. I just want to, to watch everything unfold. And so, you know, it finally gets to the reveal and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, this is cool. This is good. That's why I was so gooped and gagged the first time I watched it because I am yeah. that person. I'm like, who did it? I have a yeah. list going. I'm like, okay, his <laughs> alibi said this and he was there and what's happening? And yeah. I did not guess who it was. And I yeah. was so mad at myself. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> right? Uh, and then, you know, and then of course there's there's the reveal that it, it was basically two people who did it. And it's like, oh, and- yeah, I get that. They all uh, issue sh- with the with the with the um what's it called? The teamwork. I was like, I yeah, hate it. Right. <laughs> we should probably say that it, this is now where we're because we're talking about the movie. Uh, there will be spoilers for a sixty-year-old movie. Uh, so so go check <laughs> no, out Blood and Black Lace. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy yeah. the ride of us talking yeah. about it because this entertaining. <laughs> oh yeah. Like the other thing too about watching this is I really wish that they would have stuck with the, you know, literal translation translation of the Italian title of like six women for the killer. What? Yes. Yes. That is, that is a, that is a giallo title. (laughs) In in doing more research, right. It's crazy how much capitalism and like Western ideas of what movies are supposed to be play into how things worked out. Because that's why it's in English. That's why all of those changes were made because they're like, we have to get Americans to watch this movie. Yeah. I was like, no, don't do that. Man. So what is your, what is your, is this kind of where your, your history with Giallo begins? Was it with Suspiria and then kind of uh, taking that train Argento and then going to Bava? Like, how did you, how did you get into Giallo as a whole? So I was for my horror film class in undergrad we had to write a paper or something. I don't know. He gave us like four directors to choose from or like a mm-hmm. list. I don't remember. But Dario Argento was on the list. I was like, oh, his name sounds cool. Let me do that. Sure. <laughs> and I, I looked up all of these articles and I remember there was this one article I found of him that he did and he was like talking about, somebody asked him like, oh, like, don't you think it's sexist that all of these women die so violently in your movies? And he was like, I would rather have a beautiful woman die horribly than a man any day. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is he talking about? But then in Greensboro at the time, there was this, um, uh, like a theater that would play old movies and they were Mm -hmm. playing Suspiria. Okay. And I saw that he had directed. I was like, oh, well, let me go see what he's talking about. Right. Like, let me go see what's happening. I was stuck in yeah. my little seat and so like I said then I started doing all this research but yes the spirit was really like the one mm-hmm. and the the I, I was blown away I think by the cinematography of that yeah but I feel everyone is right yeah but right. also I was so drawn to the to the hands mm-hmm. like of the villain and how they did that perspective shot yeah because I was like wow this is re- like this is really well thought out and and you like I'm like I don't even know what I'm thinking about right now mm-hmm. so when I watched when I like I said when I found out that Baba was his mentor I watched Kill Baby Kill first sure. Kill Baby Kill is amazing okay. but it's not blood and black lace you know yeah. like the the colors are a little bit more muted it's a ghost story so it's a little bit different of a of a vibe mm-hmm. um and I was like mm, okay I see it but then when I watched Blood and Black Lace, I was like, oh my God. 
what is this? Yeah. And and it and it gave me more of that feeling that I had when I watched Suspiria for the first time because of the way in which the camera moved through the universe that was created. And it really is a universe, right? It's like an Agatha Christie universe of, yeah. of death, which is amazing. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that watching watching this film is what made me dive into what are these films called? This has mm-hmm. to be a genre. What is the genre? What right. are these books? What are these things? What? <laughs> yeah. And it, and it opened up my, my world into like, because now I, I search for those things, right? Because yeah. every place like Korea, Japan, um, Spain, whatever, has their version of, of these like horror movies. Right. And I'm like, this is really cool the way in which other people define the uncanny and yeah. the way in which they show things that are scary and the way in which they portray death, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think it says a lot about the director. It says a lot about the time. It says a lot about what we're looking at because I made a joke um, that this movie could have been like death in vogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it says, I think it's saying so much about like beauty and beauty standards and women and how they're treated and like modeling and what does that mean? And like, how disposable are these mannequins of people? And like, what does it mean to harbor all of these secrets in this space where everything is supposed to be commercial, you know? And, And to juxtapose these real world issues, like my man that was addicted to cocaine, Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting it to get that deep yeah. and right off the gate he was like yeah, yeah. he's got a drug problem I was like oh my god right like there's there's cocaine there's an abortion like uh-huh. there is just there's there's so much going on in this movie that I I was like what this is this this is this movie I was not prepared for this let's do it let's let's get That's into right. it and uh, it's cool because I think that you because I expected it to be this very superficial thing you know what i mean kind of like those like remake slashers of like okay so that we know the girl is gonna take off her shirt and we know she's gonna get stabbed and then we know and then we know and then we know right that's kind of what i was i had my head wrapped around going into it but to to take off that facade and be like no these are real people with Mm -hmm. real problems and they're all gonna die because of it was so great (laughs) yeah yeah great to me yeah, and it's it's it is a matter of like you know once once you kind of get the, I guess get the idea that they are all going to be picked off, you're kind of like oh who's next to go like yeah, or, and then you even have this moment too where they uh I I think it was Peggy I think she's the one that gets kidnapped like yes, there's the struggle like, apartment yeah. So at first you're like, oh, he didn't kill her right away. She's going to be the one who makes it to the end, clearly, yep. because he didn't kill her right away. She's going to get away. Everything's going to be fine. No, yep. he kidnapped her, moved her to another spot, uh, found out the plan or, you know, what happened to this diary and then killed her. Like tortured her to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it was kind of like at that point for me, it was like all bets are off. Like uh, anybody, anybody can go at any time. And yep. it's just now we just have to watch and see how that happens. Um, this is, this is a, a beautiful movie. Like, and I think that's kind of one of the, at least for, from what I've seen so far, that's really one of the, the trademarks of the genre is that uh-huh. the, the colors are so bright. Like it's just so vivid. 
um, what 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 strikes you about the I guess the the lensing, the framing of this movie, the coloration of this movie? Uh, are, do you do you find these movies to be visually stunning, attractive, They're whatever? Gorgeous, <laughs> They're yeah. gorgeous, and I mean like Dune level gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I always appreciate that the light changes when something is about to happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because and I think different lighting means different things. Like yeah. the purple lighting was like something like we have to the suspense we have to get away. The green lighting is death, right? Yeah. And the very commercial lighting is like here's here's your moment to look. Here's your moment to to see around you and really take it all in. Right. And it's so intentional. It's so purposeful. And I'm like, God, I wish I could make movies like this because it's just it's just amazing. It's just so soul fulfilling to see yeah. it and yeah. it, it, it feels like there's never a wasted moment and even in terms of framing there's no wasted space between the foreground and the background and where events are taking place and yeah. the way that the sets are designed it all intertwines into the story that's why that first scene is my favorite because you know that the the, the object of desire is in that bag you know yeah. spatially where the bag is because we've been in this room before. You know that someone in the room is the murderer mm-hmm. and we get to look at them operate as everyone knows what's in that bag. And it everyone is, wants it. Right. Yeah. And it's probably one of the best scenes of film I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Between yeah. the blocking and the acting and the way that we're moving, it's 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 genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <gasps> a really really great sequence there. Uh, and I and I think the thing too is like it's it's interesting in that sequence too of how everything, like you said, everything comes together to click in such a way that just elevates it. Because I mean, yep. you, you can put it on a page and you can say, you know, the. Uh, everyone in the room who's been affected by this diary uh, knows where it's at and you can see them noticing and you can film it one way and it can be very simplistic, very, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, we're looking at the bag. Everybody's looking at the bag, but the way they do it just ratchets up that tension like so well that it's like, okay, uh, this somebody is going to get their hands on that journal uh, by the end of the scene. So yeah. In a way that makes you feel like you're in the room, but not standing in the room. It's kind of like right. a God's eye view moment in a book. Yeah. Where it's like, you can take in all of this information in a way that not even a fly on the wall could. Yeah. Like we are in the thick of it for real. And it makes you feel like one of them is going to come after you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, what is, and you know, because this is, uh, a horror movie and or you know that's I guess that's probably a good question um would you would you constitute this and that's such a, that, that 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 term horror movie is such a broad terminology would mm-hmm. you constitute this as a horror movie or you know are you are you someone that that's picky about that terminology so I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because this is sure. a very big question right like what constitutes horror and how do we how do we quantify that, right? Yeah. And I think that this this is a slasher through mm-hmm. and through. Sure. Because it meets all of those requirements. There's a masked man yep. who is running around a town 
killing all these women, period, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you hit those markers, then that is in this genre. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the times when this question comes up, it's like, oh, well, it's not Jason. Yeah, it's not Jason. It's better. Right. Leave me alone. Right, right. <laughs> this is but a real have, person. <laughs> right. This is so much better. But yeah. it's also like you have to kind of be able to look at the trees a bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because when yeah. you're in the forest of things, they're too different to yeah. be like, well, those things don't go together. But like, yeah, no, they're just different versions of maple trees. Like they're all in the same valley. It's okay. Yeah. That's because it's a scary. Oh yeah. That's and a really like, great way of looking at it. Like I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever broken it down like that. It's like this maple tree looks different, but it's still a maple tree. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm stealing that. <laughs> Steal it. Take it. Use it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it is. It is scary. Like the, the the sequence in the is it a warehouse? Like where where the I think it's the second girl, the second lady gets killed. Um like yes, that, in the that is room. terrifying. Yeah. yeah, frightening. She you is. You don't know to... where he is. She's right. there alone. The lighting is green. What? Oh. Is Nothing good ever happens in green lighting. Okay. No. Nothing. No. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that's a frightening, frightening scene. Uh, my my question then, since we since this is you know, I, I appreciate that you're not one of those those people who are like, uh, this isn't a horror movie. Like, are there are there movies? Maybe we'll go on that little tangent for a second. Are there movies that people define as horror that you're kind of like, no, that's not a horror movie, or are you still kind of in that you know, uh, this is a different tree, but it's still a tree. I think that so being being a black woman in, in film, right? Sure. I think a lot of the times I'll see people like from the black community or the black film community say things like, oh, this is super, super racist. So it's a horror movie to us. Sure. And I, I understand the ideology behind that, but just because something is horrific mm-hmm. does not make it a horror film. Right. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's like the uh, everything that is kind of the, the tragedy of human existence, like dealing with something where it is like people are put through trauma and pain and, and suffering, uh, even though, like you said, the thing that they're going through is absolutely horrific, doesn't necessarily mean that the movie is a quote unquote horror movie. Right. Because I think the, the most, the, the example I see the most lately is the, the um, oh my god, the Ava DuVernay thing on Netflix. The uh, Central Park uh, Five. Yep, yep. When they is it uh, when they see us? Or... When they see us. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I refuse to watch it because it's trauma, right? Sure. sure. But a lot of people will be like, "This is a horror movie to black people because of the trauma and the violence and all those other things." But it's a drama. Mm-hmm. It's traumatic. Yeah. But the, tr- the 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 trauma the trauma response that comes from that is is a horrific thing to go through that does not make that a horror movie. Yeah. And like Eve's Bayou is not a horror movie. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is my one. That is my one big one of like because every time you Google search like black horror films you should watch Eve's Bayou always pops up and I'm like I love Kathy Lemons. This is not a horror movie. It's a family <laughs> drama. Yeah. 
Yeah, every every October when I fail, there's a, a letterbox cha- uh, letterboxed challenge called Hooptober, where they you know give you a listing of horror movies and stuff to watch. And the last couple of years, I have failed uh, because I've lost track of time. And I'm mm-hmm. I've put I've put Eve's Bayou on it each like of the last couple of years, and still haven't had a chance to watch it. And I'm always like. I don't. I don't know if this is actually a horror movie. I, I'm hearing it's a beautiful co- film. It yeah. is not a horror film. It is sure. a family drama about yeah. witches in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still. I. I still want to watch it. I just. I won't count it's, it on my Hooptober list this no, year. No. <laughs> so, like, do like Death by Temptation or Bones yeah. or like yeah. anything that's oh. not Eve's by you. Yeah. Bones. Oh man, I remember when Bones came out with Snoop Dogg as a vampire. Yep. Genius. So good. Classic. So good. Classic. Uh so now I'll get, I'll get back to the question that I I've, I've been trying to 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 get out. Um what's what's your favorite kill? Like just as simple as that. Like what what kill in this movie is the one that really like stands out to you as something that's just kind of like I can't believe this person got axed like that. The the uh Tao Lee, yeah. When her when her wrists were slit in the bathtub, yes. First of all, the colors. Oh my god. Yeah. Second of all, the, just the just the the, the everything behind that mm-hmm. is just, and it's it's interesting now, like looking at it from the lens that I can have because I feel like like she was the only ethnic person. Yeah. <laughs> and to, yeah. <laughs> and to be killed in a way that that denotes that she took her own life because she couldn't handle it says so many other things and mm-hmm. i'm just like oh my god it's so much but that that scene visually is just so good to look at it's like yeah. a beautiful death which is also very hard to contend with right so oh. but yeah that one that was my yeah. screensaver on my computer for a while oh yeah oh yeah. wow <laughs> Like just yeah. like the bloodied bathtub, and then people would look at me like I was crazy, and I'm like, no, no, it's a movie, I promise. <laughs> no, this is the, listen, this is art. Like this is right. this is art. <laughs> Get into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that one for me too is also high on the list. But then, like I said, the uh, uh, the sequence in the the storage room, like just because yeah. everything that builds up to it, and then when she finally gets killed, like it's just ooh, like and then very so much very bloody. direction in that because of yeah. the the things in the room yeah because you're like is that him is this him no it's this one (laughs) yeah this is a movie that's hard to kind of break down as like well maybe not i was gonna say it because the movie flows so well and and feels like where there's nothing that you can really take out of it and Mm -hmm. and remove i feel like the pacing is just great like this is a a really well-paced movie but is there a sequence in this movie and i'm sure you know we've already talked about the the scene with the 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 diary and at the fashion show is is there a scene other than that one that really kind of stands out to you as like a a centerpiece of this movie or is that the one that you yeah yeah when when the when the main when that first girl is killed Mm mm-hmm because it really sets the scene because it's right. like you're walking into this blind and we're just like following this woman like la di da and then death and you're like yeah. wait what <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh this is this is what's happening here okay and this is what's okay. going to continue to happen great cool no one no place is safe this is fine whatever yeah, yeah. 
what what impact has this movie had on on you like is this is this something that you kind of use because you're a filmmaker and you you want to you know create different pieces of art like is this something that you kind of like i don't even know if it's consciously but uses like a, a reference reference point for your material or something that you kind of you know, uh, subconsciously influences stuff that you create or has this had that kind of impact on you or is it just a movie that you enjoy watching? I think it's both. Okay. Because if I could, if I had the eye of the cinematographer, I would quit everything I was doing and go live my best life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that this, this level of filmmaking is something that I aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reference but I always I love a good light gag and I think it's because of Jallo films that I love a good light gag (laughs) so anytime like like the 80s amazing period for me like Fright Mm -hmm. Night great Veil fantastic because you can really and and me and Jared kind of made a joke of it of like the Jallo lighting and Mm -hmm. once you see it you can't unsee it right Right. because you can follow the through line and be like ha you watched a Mario Bava film you know who Dario Argento is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think that if I could, if I could do something like that, like once in my life, I would feel like I made a film, you know? Yeah. 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 And also yeah. this is just great. I tell everyone to watch this. Movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. What's, what's your, that's actually the next question. What's your, what's your selling point? Like what is, how do you, how do you sell this movie to people to try and get them to watch it? How would you, how would you recommend this movie to someone who's never had a chance to see it? So any Jalo film that I, that I recommend, because they're all kind of the same and I could feel this, right? I was like, were you a child? I do a survey. Did you watch Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yes. Great. Did you watch Scooby-Doo? Yes fantastic yeah. <laughs> lock in right mm-hmm. and and just look at the light look at the pretty colors yeah because yeah. <laughs> it's that same level of kooky and 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 uncanny that that purge the cowardly dog had throughout the entire series yeah that murder mystery element of course like with more murder that scooby Doo sure. had because it's that same like something happened there's a group of people or one person trying to figure out what happened. All these misdirections come in that make you think that something else happened. And then we find out what happened at the end. Um, and then, like I said, like the lighting and the cinematography is just really beautiful to look at. So even if you're not super connected to the story, you will get enjoyment just watching it. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, what if you, if you can, if you can bang with me on Scooby-Doo and we can get through a mystery, we can get through this. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to watch every Jallo film from now on through the Scooby-Doo lens where I'm like, oh, it's Old Man Withers again. I it's knew Old he- Man Withers! <laughs> I knew he was going to do this. Um, anything else that you really want to draw attention to uh, in Blood and Black Lace? I just think that you know what we didn't really talk about that I think yeah. is, is something to note? The costumes sure. and the makeup and the hair design? Yeah. Yeah, because it it really does evoke that old like salon style of modeling, um, and and that that idea of perfection and what that means, and yeah. especially as a woman, especially as a model, right? When we talk mm-hmm. about the abortion storyline, when we talk about this woman who is basically ru- ruining her life to try to get this man off drugs, when we yeah. talk about the madam 
who killed her husband and then married her lover because she didn't want to give up her her modeling thing like I think that the 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 way in which the women were styled to the point that there was not a single hair or eyelash or or lipstick stain out of place plays into that right it plays into that idea and I think that it it continues to evoke that story um going back to like everything was intentional which blows my mind yeah it's kind of it's it's a a story of masks like everyone is has this uh they've they've made themselves look so fancy and so well put together and they're all hiding these terrible secrets and they don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to know and the fact that this this diary exists that could expose everyone everybody like it puts them all on edge and that's why it's you know everybody is a suspect anyone could have done this because everybody has something to hide but you wouldn't know that by looking at them because no. every, every, Everyone every, is make, perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. What if everything a, is awesome? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for the Lego remake of blood and black lace. Let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> that, that would be great. Yeah. Lego blood would be amazing to see oh. like happen. No, that would be a lot of fun. Well, Lauren, this has just been, uh, I, I have really enjoyed getting to have this conversation with you. Um, we're, we're wrapping things up here, but you're not done quite yet. Uh, I would like you to partake in what I like to call the fat five. Uh, the okay. fat five are five rapid fire-ish questions that kind of gauge your thoughts on, on movies in general. So are you willing to take the fat five? Let's do it. All right. So question number one, probably the hardest question of them all. What is your favorite movie of Ganja and Hatch? Is it really? It is. Oh, so uh uh oh my gosh, I'm gonna screw up his name. Dwayne, uh what's his last name? Oh man, oh man. The the lead in Ganja and Hess, the lead actor in Ganja and Hess. Oh, uh, the guy from um from um Dwayne Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that man was carved by the gods in that yes. movie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, what? I saw that movie for the first time, and I was just like uh, a couple of years ago, and I watched, and I went, was like, "This is the same guy who is Night of the Living Dead." Dude yep. is yeah. man, yeah. wow! And yeah. also, we are friends for life now because you've seen this movie. Yeah, you don't know no, how happy yeah. that makes me. Great movie, great, great movie. Like I, I it was, it was something that I'd, I'd seen because of Hooptober it was on the Hooptober list. And I'm like, well, cool. I finally mm. get to watch this one. And yeah, I have really... the script if you ever want to read it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Uh, question number two is a two part question. Uh, okay. Who is your favorite? The first part is who is your favorite uh, male performer? Your favorite actor? Um. Jonathan Masters, the guy, my guy from um, yeah. um, the last black man in San Francisco and Lovecraft Country. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He is, uh, he is just like, uh, all he needs, this is, I think he needs just one big movie and man's going to be a star for life. Like he a is just, yeah, he has just got oh. it. Uh, watching okay. him in that, that one episode of Loki, uh, where he comes in and is uh, doing his thing, man, like I just, uh, that's, that's what he needs. He, once he gets that Marvel money, uh, I feel oh, yeah. like he, you go wherever you want to go. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Great, great choice. Uh, the other side of that then is who is your favorite female performer, your favorite actress? I would say um, my favorite maybe Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah. She's so like, I feel like sometimes she's so like put by the wayside, but Holy mm-hmm. Girl has a body of work that is just like phenomenal. like completely consistent everything that she does like and she's the one that as she was getting started she would steal your attention like yeah you know she was in doubt with with Meryl Streep and and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Mm -hmm. Amy Adams and she has that one scene in doubt and it's like I I, there's that's that's what I want to be as a performer I just want to come in do my work and like let this be yep Yep. And let you think about it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great choice. Uh, question number three. Typically, the question probably should be phrased as who is your favorite director? I like to ask it a little bit differently. Is there a director that if they had a movie come out tomorrow, you wouldn't need to know who's in it, wouldn't need to see to see a trailer, wouldn't need to know anything about it, just that they are directing it? Uh, what director? Catherine Bigelow? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, yes. I just, uh, I just have my faith in her as a person. Yeah. And yeah. I would just go, what, her or Nia DaCosta? Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, if Nia DaCosta, like, wrote something and was like, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, yep, sign me up. I bought a ticket. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm, yep. I don't know what I'm in for, but I think it's I don't even know. I don't even know. know. Who needs yeah. to know? Yeah, yeah, I just, prepared? yeah. I know that you made I, it. I'm in. Sam Raimi, but Multiverse of Madness is bad. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really bad. Oh, this is so nice to know that somebody else didn't like it. Oh, so not good. Oh. So not good. So ah. disappointing. Uh, yeah, this this uh, this podcast, and then my other podcast that I do, uh, we are very much a pro Strange Days uh, podcast from Catherine Bigelow. Like, just mm. love, love, love that movie. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Catherine Bigelow rules. Uh, Question number four. Um, During the pandemic, this was kind of a weird question to ask because release dates were changing on a regular basis. But is there a movie that is set to come out that you are really excited to see or a movie that's already out? You haven't had a chance to see it yet, but as soon as you can, you're ready to just devour that thing. The X movie, the horror movie with Kid Cudi. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, same. And Same. I really want to see it really, really badly. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I picked it up on Blu-ray and have not watched it yet. And it is oh. something I really want to see. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on board. Uh, last question. Uh, so when I rate movies, uh, instead of using stars or thumbs up, I use the taco scale because I am fat and I like food. Uh, But who also doesn't love tacos? Like tacos are Right, tacos are great. So Lauren, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you craft your perfect taco. What what would you put on your taco? What would I put on my taco? Um, Steak. Okay. Cheese. Yeah. Salsa. All right. More cheese. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Jalapenos. Okay. More cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like queso on top. Yeah. This is a cheese taco with steak. I, I like, like it. Cheese. 
I, yes. I do too. I do too. People <laughs> ask what like people ask what's your favorite food, and usually I'm like well, cheese. I like cheese. I like cheese. It's great. Uh, Lauren, I I cannot thank you enough. This was this was so much fun. Uh, I am so glad that we were able to sit and chat. Um, if people wanted to find you online, find your podcast, things like that, where could they go to find your presence online? So my handles on everything is just my name. It's always at Lauren Lamel. Um, so there's that. You can also find me on Scary Crit, that which is at Scary Crit Podcast. Um, because I manage our socials. Ha ha ha. That's really it. Those are the only two places. Sure. And then just like uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Oh uh, yeah, everywhere like that. you listen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And are you are you, this is always a tough question to ask a filmmaker because it's kind of like, well, I don't know if I can really talk about this yet, but are you working on any current like projects currently or anything that you're, you're kind of getting out there into the universe? Yes. So during the pandemic as well, I produced a film for my friend Cinder Chow who wrote and, direct, wrote and directed um, a film called Artist Unknown. We just picture locked this nice. week. So we have to get it colorized and sound fixed sure. and VFX and all of the things. But that I'm very, very excited to like put out into the world. Oof, um, awesome. So that has an Instagram page. It's called, it's, I think it's just at Artist Unknown or at Artist Unknown Film. Okay. Um, but yeah, follow that page for updates. I'm so, so excited. It looks so good. Ah, Sweet. Ah. Super cool. Yeah, I will. I will give them a follow and listeners, you should too. Lauren, once again, thank you so much. This was just so much fun for me. I, I, I am really glad that we were able to get you on the show. Yes, me too. I feel like I've been talking to a friend that I've known for such a long time. So I appreciate you and I appreciate the space. That's what I shoot for. <laughs> I, try, I try to make it like I told I told somebody once where I was like, think of it as like, you know, like your first week of kindergarten where you're trying to make a new friend and you just like want to talk to a person. Yeah. Like that's really all this show is. It's like uh, your first day of grade school trying to make a new friend. And I am so glad that you felt that way. Yeah, <laughs> Awesome. And... Once again, a huge thank you to Lauren for joining me for this conversation. Uh, A ton of fun. You can check out her work on social media at Lauren Lamel on Instagram and uh, Twitter. I don't know what I was going to say there. I was going to say social media, which is silly. Uh, And check out a Scary Crit podcast. Uh, Anywhere your pods can be caught. Uh, Just a ton of fun to talk to. And that is going to do it for this first episode of the July. <laughs> I get a kick out of it. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate it by the end of the month. Uh, <laughs> mini series. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, please follow all things Fat Dude Digs Flicks on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, just do a search for Fat Dude Digs Flicks and you will find me there. Um, subscribe to this podcast. Like this podcast. Rate and review this podcast. Share this podcast with your friends. Uh, Always want to try and get out to more listeners, and the best way to do that is with your help and recommendation. Uh, So please do that. If you do uh, like what you hear, please leave leave a review. Uh, I think you can do that on Spotify. I think you can do that on iTunes, so definitely do that. Um, If you subscribe to this podcast... Not only do you get Let's Talk About, but you also get the Criterion Break, where I am joined by Blake Ginnethan and Derek Vierink, and we dive into our love 
of the Criterion Channel, uh, the, the digital channel, <laughs> the Criterion Collection proper. I'm screwing up these uh, things, and that's fine. You know, I'm not perfect. Never, never claimed to be perfect. So, the Criterion Break, you'll get that too. If you subscribe to this podcast, it's a nice little, nice little bonus for you. How about that? Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, would like to be a guest on the show, anything like that, have some recommendations for us, please send an email to fatdudedigsflicks at gmail.com. Uh, if you're on Facebook, follow the South Dakota Film Community and Film Community Group. We are all having a wonderful conversation about movies in the South Dakota area. Uh, if you're not in South Dakota, uh, maybe do a search and see if you can find something like this in your area if you want to uh, have a conversation. It's a lot of fun. It's nice to have a community of people that you can talk to. Uh, I dig it, and I bet you will too. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned next week. I think next week we will be doing Don't Torture a Duckling uh, is the next movie on the list. Uh, another one I've been wanting to watch for quite some time, so I am excited to finally sit down and watch that one. So, join us back here next week. Same fat time. Same fat channel. And let's talk about movies thanks so much for listening have a wonderful day bye thank you for listening to fat dude digs flicks